Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn over there with me to the book of Genesis in chapter... Uh, let's start in chapter 35, I believe. Chapter 35 in the book of Genesis. As you know, the Bible tells us the story about Joseph going down into Egypt, sold by his brothers, rejected. He was put in prison under false accusations. Look how he suffered from family, from government, and he had done nothing wrong. He had wronged nobody, but what a price he had to pay. And yet the Bible tells us that God had sent him down there, that God did that for him. And so, just so you see this, in verse 2, Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garment. Things that they were supposed to do, they were not to have any other God except the true and living God. Now, in the book of Genesis in chapter 37, there's a story about, in verse 2, the generations of Jacob in verse 2 of chapter 37, being 17 years of age, rejected and sent down into Egypt. And the Bible says that he was a good kid. He hadn't brought anything upon himself except tell him what he had dreamed. God had to give him the dream. He dreamed the dream. He told the dream. He was only 17 years old. And all of his brothers turned against him. And yet, years and years later, the Bible says, God sent him down into Egypt. He used all these different things that you couldn't see God, but he allowed the circumstances in other words, the water in the river. And all he did is he had to just go with the flow. And a trust that his God was working out something for his honor and glory. And yet it was to be the salvation of the whole family. Kind of weird the way it worked, but God really did use it. And so the story goes on and tells us what a wonderful thing had happened. But the Bible says... The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. And a lot of things happened. Now, he had a, a dream and he was able to tell Pharaoh what he had dreamed. Seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, seven years of prosperity and a lot of grain and a lot of fat cow. And then a lot of drought and terrible time. So he told him, says, Store up all this stuff for seven years, and then you'll have enough to last for the other seven years. 
And he says, you need to get somebody that's really smart and wise and knows what to do. And so Pharaoh says, you got the job. So he got the job. And so he makes a statement here in verse 25. Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. He's going to tell him what's going to happen. Joseph didn't make this happen. Joseph just let it happen. God was free to use this young man. And then he says in verse 20, This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. And so there's going to be seven years, in verse 29, of plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And then there's going to be seven years of just the opposite. Verse 32, And for all that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. See, God has a plan that might have nothing to do with your plan. That's why we don't want God to bless my motives and my dreams. We want to be used in God's. God, what is your plan? What is your dream? What do you want to have done? And so we can rest when we know that we're just willing to be used by God. Instead of people trying to find a way to use God. See, when you just want to use God, then you'll get mad because God didn't do what you wanted Him to do. But if you're just there to be used by God, then you don't care what happened because you know God is using you to fit His honor, His glory, His plan, His purpose. So it makes sense that way. Look there in Genesis chapter 47. Genesis in chapter 47. And if you'll notice in verse 9, where it says, And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. I guess Jacob had... Reasons to say that, you know, not everything has gone perfectly in my life. And it doesn't look like I've lived as long as some of those before me. Abraham lived to be 175 years old. I think he lived to be about 140-something years old. There are some things that have not changed. Did you know that the Bible that was the same on Monday is the same on Wednesday? It hasn't changed. So the Bible hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. So whatever happened yesterday hasn't affected anything that's really important. Because you see, there's another thing that hasn't changed. Jesus hasn't changed. And he says he's the same yesterday, today, forever. So things that are really important to the Christian Nothing's changed. Now, in the life that we live upon the earth, oh, there's things government may do, but there's some things that will not change, regardless of what they do. You see, they can take my home, but there's certain things that will not change, even if they did. I can lose my health. They may not give me my health care. They may not take care of me in my nursing home. Who cares? We're going to die one of these days. What's important is how strong were you spiritually? Government can't touch that. 
The president can't legislate that. If you want to see how government can totally own everything, God has given to us a perfect, perfect picture. And God allowed it to happen. But you see, God's people were shepherds, and the Egyptians didn't like them. So he put them up toward the north part, where it's called the land of Goshen, the best land of all, the most watered of all. It was where the Nile River goes up and spreads out, and they had the choice land of all. And God gave it to them. So that they would have bread and meat, everything, anything they wanted, they got it. So he says here in verse 11, And Joseph placed his father and his brethren, gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, and as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household, Get that, and you ought to underline these, with bread, according to their families. Isn't that wonderful how God was able to protect his own people, gave them the best land. All that wouldn't have happened if God had not allowed his wicked brothers, who meant wrong, and yet God meant it for good. And God's the one that sent him down there, but look how he sent him. Now, if I was Joseph, I might have had a problem with, Lord, did you know they were, they were ready to kill me, Lord? You know, they lied to my dad. For all those years, my dad thought I was dead. It's a wonderful story. You may love to have a story like that in your life, but would you want to pay the price to get a story like that in your life? Then he says here in verse 13, And there was no bread in all the land. For the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Did God know the famine was coming? Yes, God used it. Isn't God the one in charge of the weather and he could have made it rain? Sure, he could have done all that. But you see, God put him in a place where they had the best land, the best of everything. And he used the famine in order to create the problem. So that Pharaoh, and he, God gave him a dream. But he'd already given a dream to Joseph, and he allowed somebody that was in jail to know that he could tell the dream. Just a coincidence. And you'd be surprised how many things in your life you'll think, you know, that was just a coincidence. And it's not a coincidence. God was working behind the scenes. I believe that so strongly in my life. That I, have, I can see God working in my life. Look what he says. He says in verse 14, And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt, and in the land of Canaan, for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. He was in charge of all this money. And look in verse 15. And when money faileth, in the land of Egypt, when the money fails. Now, you might as well understand right now. The time is coming in America when the money is going to fail. It's going to fail. In Ezekiel chapter 7 and verse 19, it even talks about the silver and the gold. They'll cast it into the streets because you can't eat it. And it can't buy anything if there's nothing to buy. 
Well, it's so valuable, yep, but you can't eat it. It's not food. And they'll cast it into the streets because it's worthless. And yet there's people that are die for gold and silver, thinking that's my security. You ought to read the book. Look what he says. In verse 15, when the money fails, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, give us bread. Did you know that the children of Israel didn't have to come to Joseph? You see, he was taking care of them. They were in the best land of all. Everybody else, all the Egyptians had to come to see Joseph. And Joseph had the money. And so they was wanting corn. So they had to buy the corn. So he says here, And all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and says, Give us bread. Why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. We can't eat the money. We want to buy some bread. So he says in verse 16, And Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle if money fail. So we get all of your money. Now remember now, this is government going to get all of their money. Then government is going to get all of their cattle. In other words, before it gets all done, they'll own everything. What you have here is you'll notice how government, little by little, owns the people. Look what he says. He says in verse 16, Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle if money fail. In verse 17, And they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange. See that word exchange? Something for something. If you want something from the government, you've got to give the government something. They wanted something from the government, so they've got to give the government something. This is the way it is. That's the way it works. See, at one time, people didn't look to the government for anything. People looked to themselves, their families, their churches, the people down the street. They bound themselves together because they knew each other. They needed each other. Each other was their own security. And if the house burnt down, people got together and helped build them another one. If that person was the kind of a person that was an upstanding individual and a righteous individual. So it paid to go to church. It paid to have good friends. It paid to be nice to people. Why? Because you needed each other. But today, see, we don't need each other because we've got the government. So now I can be mean to anybody. I can be careless as I want to be. It don't matter how sick I get because all I got to do is the government's going to take care of me. So I'm irresponsible now. Not personally, I'm just using this illustration. But that's what takes place. It destroys the American people. So he says, in exchange, for horses, for your flocks, for the cattle, the herds, and for the asses. And he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. See there? For a whole year, you get some food. So we've, we've got your money. Now we've done got your cattle. Moving along. Did you know there's an illustration in the scriptures that talks about the children of Israel that had been fed with manna? God provided it. They had to go out and pick it up, and they would eat manna. But they started complaining because they wanted something else. 
Anybody remember what they wanted? They wanted some quail. They wanted some meat to eat. They wanted meat. They're tired of this little wafer. And so God got angry with them. And God says, you want some meat to eat? I'm going to give you some meat to eat. You're going to get so much, it's going to come out your nostrils. So for a month, all they had was the quail. Did you know that sometimes God gives to people what they want until it makes them sick? Until you're totally (laughs) disgusted. Do you believe it's possible that people cry out to our, oh, our president in the White House, whoever he is, do this for me. And so he promises to do it. Did you realize you just liable to get what you want? But there's, um, there's poison at the end. That adder, that snake that's got fangs, it's got poison in it. And you're going to pay a price. And there's always pleasure in sin for a season. It don't matter where it comes from. And it seems like everything will work until all of a sudden nothing works. We are on the verge of total collapse in this country. But you've heard me say that before. But now look what he says in verse 18. Look what happened. When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, We will not hide it from my Lord. How that our money is spent, my Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not aught left in the sight of my Lord, but our bodies and our land. All we've got left is our land and us. That's all we got left. Wherefore, in verse 19, wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land, by us, get that, by us and our land for bread. See, when you get hungry, you'll give anything to live. You'll pay any price to live. Later on, he told them in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, when you get into the land and you don't serve me, he says, I'm going to put a... uh, a nation that will come after you, and they're going to seize your roundabout. And they're going to be in siege against the city, and you are going to take your own children, and you're going to boil your own kids and eat your own flesh. And they did. You'd be surprised what you will do when you get hungry enough and your life is at stake. When you get that place, and your wife starts looking at you, hmm, you sure look good. I would grab your hat and run. But look what he says. Nothing left but our bodies. Nothing left but our land. Therefore, he says, buy us and our land for bread. And we and our land will be servants. That word servants is the same as slaves. So years later, they knew what it was like to have slaves and servants for Pharaoh in Egypt. Somebody else down the road became slaves in Egypt. I wonder who that was. The children of Israel. See, when God was going to take them out into the wilderness for 40 years, did you realize that all that work as a slave built them for the journey? They were in good shape. They had to walk. Their shoes never wore out. Their dresses never wore out. Nothing they had. Everything God preserved. And after 40 years, 
An 80-year-old man, 85-year-old man named Caleb says, I am as good a shape today as I was 45 years ago. And he says, and I want that mountain. But God had a plan. So he says here in verse 20, And Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians... No, it never says about God's people. It's always the Egyptians, the Egyptians. Same thing down there in the other verses where he talks about the Egyptians. In verse 15. But here in verse 20, he says, The Egyptians sold every man his field because the famine prevailed over them, so the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the border of Egypt even to the other end thereof. And then he says down there in verse 23, Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Here is some seed, and ye shall sow the land. Now you're working for him. You're working for the government. You see, that's the way it gets in the country. See, they get your money, and then they're going to get your property. They're going to get you. And everything that you have, you don't own anything anymore. See, once people were self-sufficient, but we've got away from that. And now the white people and the black people and the red people and the brown people are becoming slaves of our government. They own us. They're passing little laws and little by little taking all the things that we have until they get it all. You know, years ago, if you stored up and you had something, and then when you died, your kids could get it. Now they want to take everything that you had and take it away from you. Until you, got, you can't even afford to keep it. There's people that used to have family farms, and then they die, and they'll leave it to the kids. But they can't pay the taxes on it, because now they state taxes on it. They have to sell it just to try to get rid of it, because they can't pay it anymore. Where's the freedom, the right to life and liberty in the pursuit of happiness, to steal everything that you have. But that's where we are in this country. And we got there because the people became ignorant. You see, they took over the schools and determined that there's certain things in the schools you're not going to learn. You're not going to learn the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in the schools. And you're not going to learn the Bible in the school. And learn to pray. And the teacher's counseling you with what the scripture says. And now it's down to where they can't even discipline the kids in the schools. For fear of a lawsuit. Or somebody going to jail. All kinds of things. Now people live in fear. Fear of the government. Well, he says down here in verse 25. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Our Savior. Somebody else has been called that. Our Messiah, our Savior, He's going to deliver us. Well, did you know that almost anything, I don't care what it is, you can find a story that relates to it in the Bible. There's a, there's a story in the Bible that gives you things to look at. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servant. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day that Pharaoh would have the fifth part except the land of the priests only, which became not Pharaoh's. So all this was done. You would think people would be smart to understand how government works and how it's going to little by little. But you notice 
The people did it willingly. The government didn't force any of this. It was the will of the people. See, that's what democracy is, the will of the majority. When the majority wants something, if they're in favor of it, it doesn't matter about the Constitution. It's just the will of the majority. Whatever the majority wants, that doesn't mean it's right. And that's not a Republican form of government. I'm not talking about the party now. I'm talking about a Republican form of government is what in the Constitution we are guaranteed. So does it affect our lives? Oh, it'll affect our lives. But things that are important are things that we're supposed to do regardless of the change in government affairs. I love our country. I really do. I love our freedoms. I love the Constitution. I think it's a wonderful document. I love the Bill of Rights. I think it's right. I can't believe the wisdom of the people that put it together. I don't believe it's an inspired document. No, I don't. I don't believe it was God-breathed. I believe that some men who knew the Lord used some great wisdom and putting that thing together so that you and I could live a quiet and peaceful life. But what happens whenever it's violated? Somewhere along the line, you have to find out, now, where's, gonna, where's this red line? But then that's a, another sermon. Look up here. This hasn't changed. You know what I like about this message is the same as it was a couple thousand years ago. I, you know, the Apostle Paul probably used a wallet illustration. Well, he may, maybe not. This is you and me, and the wallet is sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. He hates what we do wrong, but He loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But He loves us and wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. So a man cannot save himself. Because of sin, we can't get in. We have to be perfect, and nobody's perfect. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So He took all the sin of all the world and paid for it on the cross and came back again from the dead. And God says that if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account. And I go to heaven on what he did for me. He died for me. That's the good news. That's wonderful news. Christ died for my sins. Best little five words there is. It's the most important five words there is. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Or if you're watching by internet tonight, you don't have to join a church. You don't have to give any money. All you need to do to go to heaven is to believe that when Christ died, he died for you. And if you've never trusted him as your Savior, I pray that you'd do so. Just understand this. God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. He paid for your sins. That means that you don't have to pay for them if you believe he did it for you. And he said, whosoever believeth, that's all you have to do. Friend, that's the only thing you can do. If you believe he did it for you, he would give you as a free gift eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for you. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings upon each one here. And Lord, we pray that each person, whether here or watching by internet, if they've never trusted your Savior, would trust you as your only hope of going to heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.